Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, 26, and 27. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. What was he saying here? Jesus demonstrated this when he washed his disciples' foot. Just to let them know that real greatness is service. And you cannot serve with what you don't have. You serve with what you have. So your number one assignment is to discover what you have, embrace the value of humility, and put it to work in serving one another. Greatness starts with self-leadership. In the course of this month in our midweek event switch, on Wednesdays we're going to be teaching on leadership. We have leadership seminars, and I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to come. And the first weekend in, in November, we'll be hosting a videocast event of the Global Leadership Summit, which you saw advertised earlier, and I wanted to seek to register for that and attend. We're in partnership with the Willow Creek Association, the Global Leadership Network, and because of that, we can get that video experience right here live. So Friday and Saturday, I think, uh, is it third and fourth or second and third of November. So this month, we're going to ramp up our effort at increasing the leadership quotient of this church. And you should be a part of that. So self-leadership is where it starts from when we talk about true greatness. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 11, the Bible, through the word of the, you know, the wise man in, in Proverbs, directed us to study the hand. Said, so go to the hand, you sluggard. Consider our ways and be wise. He said, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides a supply in summer and gathers a food in harvest. How big is the brain of an ant? I ask that question every time I read the scripture. The Bible points us back to the hands to check her out and say, look, consider the ant. No ruler, overseer, or guide. It's self-leadership. Yeah. But yet, it's not hungry. Anywhere the resource is, it goes there. Yeah. And it's always sorting out itself. In fact, when you see an ant, very soon you see more because you go to call each other. They will now line up like this and be coming. Yeah. You put your juice in a glass on the table. Yeah. They find it out. They don't need the invitation. Yeah. And then they file in there. Self-leadership. When you solve problems for yourself, then you are prepared to solve problems for other people. We'll discuss more of that in the midweek event. David solved a national problem. First Samuel 17. In, at the valley of Elah, Goliath of God was harassing the entire nation of Israel, representing the Philistines. It was a one-on-one -on -one combat. Nobody was able to face Goliath of God. Today, we have many Goliaths of God harassing our nation in the different sectors of our economy. We need a new generation of Davids who will arise, look at Goliath right in the face, and bring Goliath down. Can somebody say amen to that? But, but David gave a testimony. First Samuel 17, I think, maybe verse 34 or thereabout. David gave a testimony. Yeah. 
He gave a testimony about himself. He said, well, I, while I kept my father's sheep, he said, the, the, the lion will come and the bear will come. So David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it. This was David's CV. He was given the king to say, I've solved my own problem and I solved problem for my father's house. This national problem, I will bring it down. Somebody stay with me today. Yeah. Problem solving, ladies and gentlemen, is the quickest route to leadership. Draw the line between David and Saul. It was a long line. David was a young man keeping his father's sheep. Little or no pedigree. Thank God they're not too young to, to rule. Bill has been signed to law. So we should raise many more Davids. Say amen, somebody. Amen. The line may be long, but grace can shorten it for you. Say amen, somebody. Amen. But the root to shortening that line is for you to have the kind of testimonies that David has here. I cut my father's sheep. The lion came, the bear came. I didn't run away. I can't run away from Goliath. We are too used to running away. That's why Goliath is still harassing us. Yeah, in the health sector. Goliath is still harassing us. Yeah, harassing our economy. All kinds of Goliath. We can't continue to run away. And we can't continue to beg. If you have received help before from friends, even from this church, from look at how you can become somebody that can help other people. You can't continue to go around to beg for help. When you solve your own problems, you qualify to solve problems on a massive scale. You can scale up when you are creating value. Some people want to scale without creating any value. That's a bad place to start from. That's why they go there only to steal our money. Many of the people leading us in different places today, you cannot see the value they've added before. They don't even have a company to their name that is quoted on the stock exchange. Anybody that does not have a company to the level where they can trade at that level should not lead a nation. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Because we need to see what you have done and then help you to scale up your destiny by voting you into power. Yeah. Because when you solve a problem at a particular level, then you can scale it up to a different level. When Saul heard the testimonies of David, he said, make way for this young man. I don't care about his height or his stature. Just make way for him. Yeah. When you see the description of Goliath and the description of David, it was a far cry. But David brought him down with the power of God. What are you using the power of God on your life to do? Well, one of the problems, the greatest problem, one of the greatest problems with the church in Nigeria and Africa is that we want to use anointing for personal breakthrough. Yeah. Only for personal breakthrough. Yeah. The pastor starts a church because he wants to es escape poverty. Yeah. Individual starts businesses because they want to be famous and popular and escape poverty. Yeah. And so they spend the money of the business anyhow, pay people peanuts, harass them, threaten them, do all kinds of things with them, demoralize people, 
That's, that's what we met on ground. And that has to change. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. That has to change. That has to change. Nigeria has a lot of problems, and those are our own opportunities. They are our opportunities. In Acts 10, 38, the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The purpose of the anointing, ladies and gentlemen, is problem solving. Yeah. It's problem solving. Personal breakthrough is good, but that is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The mistake we are making is that we have made personal breakthrough an end in itself rather than a means to an end. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He used the anointing that God gave him to solve problems for people. If we announce today that this is an, a breakthrough anointing service, we will have overflow outside. Yeah. With powerful, you know, anointing or to anoint everybody. The whole place will be overflowing. I'm not saying that that is bad. We even do that once in a while. But what I'm saying is that when that anointing comes upon you, are you only thinking about yourself, your children's school fees, and your house rent? You can't be thinking like that and become great. You can't be thinking like that and have a changed nation. It's to say, let that grace come upon me, let that anointing come upon me, and let me solve problems on a massive scale, starting from where I am. Say amen, somebody. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We also need to realize that there's a disalignment between our vision of personal breakthrough and our vision for national breakthrough. What most people don't understand is that if the environment is not enabling, your vision will be hampered. We have not found the correlation between my quest for personal success and how it can be hindered for lack of national success. So a few months ago, a few couple of years now, so over a year, our currency was officially devalued. Whatever you had that was denominated in Naira lost at least half of its value internationally. Even our big men that were quoted on the Forbes list of richest people in the world lost their positions. Yeah. For no fault of yours, just for bad governance, bad leadership, accumulated over the years, you lost something. That's how powerful governance and politics is. A few years ago, five years to be precise, was our 10th wedding anniversary. My wife and I were in Dubai. A member of this church said, Pastor, I just want to take you around Dubai, you and your wife. Let's go to the Atlantis. Yeah. He took me to the Atlantis, my wife and I. The Atlantis is a powerful, you know, wonderful hotel and uh, you know, sightseeing and all that. They had all kinds of stuff there. When we got there, just looking around, we entered the, the corridor or the, what do you call it, the reception area. Just talking to the guy, the receptionist. If you look up like this, was a, an aquarium, you know, spanning the length of the building all around. And I stood there. I couldn't even see anything. I was just looking. And the first thing that came to my mind is, can this be replicated in Nigeria? 
And I heard a voice telling me, which power will you use to power it? And as I was walking away from that place, it dawned on me that your dream and your vision can be very powerful, but your environment can limit the implementation. Yeah. Yeah. Until we realize that and realize that the state of this nation is placing limitation on how far a lot of us can go with our dreams and visions, and that if we join forces to turn it around, it results into natural increase of prosperity. That's what I'm talking about. And the ability to aspire and to fulfill our dreams. As I start to round up. The church is losing huge grounds by not recognizing itself as a political system. We are a political system. The first assignment that God gave man, the first man that he created and had a relationship with, was to till the, I mean, to, to uh, care for the garden, to tend it. The assignment of God over the life of his people has something seriously to do with the way the world goes. Even when we talk about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare is not when uh, somebody said, demons are pressing me down. Not all those, ones. those are area boy demons, like I said before. Jobless demons that just want to mess around with a Christian. No. Real spiritual warfare is when we're losing ground with policies that can mess up the foundation of our kingdom values that will bring massive destruction. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. The enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Any policy that will bring destruction over the people, poverty over the people, when we fight that, that's when we're fighting spiritual warfare. When they write, they sit down to write legislation, and whether it's pro-life or pro-death, and we stand for life. That's when we're fighting spiritual warfare. Anything that will come against and destroy the foundation of the scriptures upon which our faith is built to the end that the coming generation will not even be able to understand the Bible again. Because when you legislate funny things, gay rights, abortion, all those kind of things, it goes to the core of our belief system. I love people who have same-sex attraction. I counsel with them. I encourage them. I extend grace to them to overcome that way of life. But I will not stand against the dictates of the Bible to say that that's an acceptable lifestyle. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Any legislation that makes it Difficult for me to say what I just said now is spiritual warfare. Yeah. That's real spiritual warfare. Not demon pressing somebody down. That one will just say, go, go away. Useless demon. And it will go. This other one cannot go away like that. We have to get involved. That's the only way it can go away. 
Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was a political figure. A spiritual savior, a political figure. Can I explain what I'm talking about? When Jesus was born, what was told to Herod? Can I hear you? Why do you think Herod was jittery and you know, fearful and said he should go and kill all the young children? Because if you, if you told Herod a prophet has been born, it won't bother him. That's how the church is positioned today. We position as prophet, as priest. I'm not threatening anybody. Yeah. A king is born. Herod went ballistic. It meant count down to your reign. That was how Jesus came on the scene. What about his exit? Why did they kill him? They killed him because they said he called himself the king of the Jews. <laughs> when he stood before Pilate, he said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you said so. <laughs> you said so. When they want to put a sign, they wanted to put a sign after his death, what did they say? King of the Jews. The Pharisees said, no, go and remove it. Right there. He called himself, or he said he is the king of the Jews. The real contention was that they knew he was coming to shake up something, to turn something around. Anywhere you hear king, you're talking political authority. In the New Testament, we are referred to as a royal priesthood and a holy nation. When you see the royal there, it means that we have to get involved. <laughs> are you still with me today? Yeah, that's what it means. Yeah. The king has power. Not spiritual power. Only but political power that can take charge and the authority and power is used to push for values that will lead to development, that will lead to growth, that will lead to abundance of life, not death. Somebody stay with me today. Very, very important. Very, very important. So Satan is seriously focused on political control of nations because he knows that he can distribute death on a, on a massive scale when that is happening. And when we talk about uh, Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gate of hell or the gate of Hades shall not prevail against it. What was he saying? The decision-making bodies of hell using the authority of nations will not prevail against the church. That's what he said. That means church must get to that gate. The gate I was talking about is not like the gate you pass through when you are coming to church or this metal gate. No. You have to understand the meaning of a word based on how it is being used the day the Bible was written. When you say gate in those days, they knew that was where the elders sat to make decisions. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 23. The Proverbs 31 woman was praised that her husband has a seat at the gate. When he sits among the elders of the land, it's known at the gates. And he didn't say metal gate. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The gate of hell will not prevail against the church. And if you understand, it's the church that has to move. The gate doesn't move. Gates don't move. Gate is stationary. Yeah. So that means the church wants to move 
and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. It's not the other way around. You know the way we used to think, let's push the gate of hell back. No. We are the one moving to take over. And he said, the gate of hell will not prevail against us. Glory be to Jesus. So it's extremely important that we understand that God wants to use you and I. He wants us to take our place. We're losing ground. That's why the church is being bashed seriously. As Christians, we have dual citizenship. But we're citizens of God's kingdom first before we become the citizens of our nation. When we talk about whether it's Moses, David, Joseph, Daniel, Esther, they got into politics of their time to solve national problems and not just their own individual problems. And I want us also to know that Jesus, because we can ask the question, why the church? Why should the church be involved in politics? Jesus cares about the spiritual, physical, and the physical needs of people. And politics has a significant impact on that. Governance and politics has a significant impact on that. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I have a, a, uh, like a young cousin in the U.S. doing a postgrad. That young lady has a credit card limit is $2,000. When you have $2,000 as a credit card limit, it means you can't wake up in the morning and be praying if you are broke that God should send somebody to give you boss money. You have a credit card. You have 30 days to pay whatever you spend there. Yeah. Even if you are going to pray at all, it's not a three kind of prayer, the one that people do here. Yeah. Because you can spend that money and expect that in 30 days, God will come through for you. That's if you are flat broke, but you have a credit card. Yeah. To have a credit system in Nigeria is not rocket science. It's the infrastructure that will drive it will refuse to pay attention to it. Let me give you another example. Many people in Nigeria pray for house and they have a good job, but they are praying for house. Abroad, where the systems are working, when you have a job, you don't have to pray for house. The mortgage is cheap. 20 years, 15 years, 25 years, 2%, 2.5%, it's not a back-breaking mortgage. See, when this country change, 60 to 70% of your prayer points will be invalid. You won't have to pray about those things again. That's the truth. It will change your prayer point completely. What about the social welfare system? A country cannot be as rich as ours and there's no social welfare system. So you see people on the road knocking on your window all the time as you're driving past. Hey, bros, give me something now. Last, just last night I was driving on this road. In fact, one boy came and said, Pastor! <laughs> Pastor! <laughs> I had to wind up and say, uh-uh. What's happening now? <laughs> say, hey, give me something now, Pastor. Now I keep you know, money in my wallet because I had to carry cash. I used my card. But now I realize that saying I'm carrying card is a way of being stingy. You understand? You know people are going to ask you for money. Keep some cash for them. Yeah. Because you can't be asking them, do you have POS? <laughs> so now every week I find some cash, put it in my wallet just in case, you know, when I get to the, just take, take. I know. If things are okay, you won't be on the streets. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. 
Praise God. Jesus is interested in the welfare of people. The church cannot behave like we are not interested. I will just say that we are doing church. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We can do better. If they abuse us, let them abuse us. Maybe in the multitude of abuse, we wake up. Yeah. Because we should do better. And we can do better. Governance is a significant platform for infusing values of the kingdom into the society. The lives of William Wilberforce, Martin Luther King Jr., and all kinds of people that God has used in the time past. William Wilberforce was used as a Christian like yourself, got involved in politics, and then worked against the abolition of slave trade. There's modern-day slavery. There are all kinds of things that you should work on as you take a leap of faith into politics. Let me put this all together. Ways to be involved. One, prayer. But we won't stop at prayer. Okay? 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 3, says, first of all, I encourage you to pray. Supplication, prayer, should be made for all in authority. For kings and all in authority that we may have a, lead a quiet and peaceable life. Number two, Register to vote. We've been shouting that. Get your PVC. But you see, that's the least you can do. Because outside of registering to vote, the real deal is being a card-carrying member of a political party. You don't have to have interest in any office to do that. In the first service, I asked, this past week, they voted for primaries, for governorship primaries in the two political parties in this city, in this state. Is there anybody that voted in that primaries? Only one person lifted up his hand on that. Okay, let me ask again. Anybody voted primaries this week? Can I see a show of hand? I see one here. I see one there. I'm looking for a few more. God bless you. This service is better. One, two, three, four, five. At least I can count that six, seven, or eight people who voted this week. That's what we're talking about. But as I'm speaking to you right now, we perhaps have more than 2,000 or 2,500 adults in this room as I'm speaking now. Yeah, just looking at this crowd and the number of seats that are here. Out of all that, we have maybe 10 people who are card-carrying members of a political party and they made that time to vote this week. Now, when we say PVC, PVC, PVC puts out at the front of the line. What about the back of the line where the issues are settled? And we have no voice there. We have no voice there. All kinds of people go there to do it. I was reading in Punch online this morning as I was coming to church. They had primaries yesterday presidential primaries. I don't want to mention any party, but you know. Punch online, not a blog, not a gossip blog. Some people left that ground with $9,000. Go and read it, it's there. Punch. Punch is a popular newspaper. Yeah. They won't write what is not true. A candidate gave out $5,000 to all delegates. 4,000 delegates. Yeah. Some gave, they started with 3,000. Then the person with three, somebody changed it to four. Then they changed it to five. Yeah. It was dollar rain overnight today. In fact, they interviewed one guy who said, I wish they would cancel it and do another one so we can make more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is online. Go to Punch Online and read it yourself. I wish they would cancel so we can do another one and I will make more money. He said, because it's our national cake. Yeah. We know they stole from us. We want to collect it back. 
to upwards of 30, 40 million dollars or so, just all over the place. We can't continue like that. But it can only change when you get involved and refuse to allow the things to remain the way they are and come with the values of the kingdom. And when one person goes, they can be overwhelmed. We need to go in trickles until, we, until a lot of us are there. Praise God. So also, excel in whatever you are doing because it will give you credibility and the influence which can be leveraged if you want to go into politics. Engage in community projects of your own. Do practical things to meet the needs of people. The people in politics call it stomach infrastructure. Yeah. We can do it without vying for any office. It gives us a voice. 60-61% of Nigerians are living below poverty line. Anything you can do to help anybody, do it. Yeah. Do it and show them the right way. Give them value-driven propositions. If you are solving problems for them, if you say vote right, this is what you should look for to vote, they will hear you. Even if other people come to meet them, they will say, that man, have our interests at heart. But a lot of us are focused on our personal breakthrough. We are not even helping family members, let alone people on the street. We need to change our attitude. That's how we change this nation. Lastly, I also want to encourage, give financially to office-seeking politicians. Support credible candidates seeking office. If we don't do it, whoever pays the piper will dictate the tune. We have young, credible candidates vying for office right now. Some of them are trying to crowdfund. If you, as their friend, laugh at them and you refuse to give them your 5,000 or your 10,000, if the political godfathers give them the money, they will have no choice than to do their bidding. We can't see any change like that. And what I'm teaching you today, what I'm saying today is what I do. I support credible people going to politics. Some of them, my friends, some we went to school together, some are just people I met in the course of life. 20,000, 30,000, 50,000. It's my money, not church money. Church money is not involved in this matter at all. My personal money. And I don't give cash. I use my account so that we can trace it to the future. Yeah. Yes. Nobody can hold me about how I spend my personal money. Yeah. And I do it with discretion, knowing that this person has proven himself over the years. If it's 10,000, I can do it. If it's 100,000, I can do it. If it's 50,000, I'll send. I mean, a friend of mine contested in one of the states. And when he was telling me his story, my heart broke. With the money I sent, with the money some of our friends sent, and all that, when the political gladiators came in, It was like, we looked like grasshopper. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the story. But we have started from somewhere. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. This stolen money will not work forever. And it's when we decide that we're going to do something differently. And especially those of us who call the name of Jesus. Don't forget that Christ came that we may have life and have it in abundance. What we have now is not abundant life. It must become abundant life in my lifetime and your lifetime. Yeah. Celebrate Jesus today. Praise God.